to die That he might give Eternal life That I might live Welcome to Yankee Arnold Ministries. Dr. Arnold will be with you in just a moment. But first, we want you to know how much we appreciate your prayers and financial support. You may help this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Again, that's 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Feel free to send Dr. Arnold your questions or comments to yankee at yankeearnold.com, and he will respond as quickly as possible. Now, here is Dr. Arnold with today's message. But now notice what he says here in Matthew chapter 10 and verse 1. When he had called unto him his 12 disciples, he gave them power against unclean spirits to cast them out, to heal all manner of sicknesses and diseases. And then you drop down here to verse 5. The names of them, you can read that later. In verse 5, these 12 Jesus sent forth, commanded them, saying, Go not unto the way of the Gentiles. Let them all go to hell. What did he say? Do not go to the Gentiles. Wait a minute, wait, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm a Gentile. You, most of you are Gentiles. But he says, don't go to the Gentiles. Where is he? He's in Israel, the nation of Israel. Jesus never left Israel. He told him, says, go only to the city in Israel. Look what else he says there in verse 6. But go rather to the lost sheep of the house of what? So something has to change, right? Because that's not what we preach today. But he told them, don't go to nobody except in Israel. And he gave them power to do certain things. He's still establishing who he is, the power that he has. And he gave it to them and told them to go into all these cities and what they could do. And so they would preach the gospel of the kingdom. Now, that's what he did and it's all important. But understand, there is a difference between the message at this time and the message that's given a little bit later. Look in um, Matthew chapter 15 and verse 21. Matthew chapter 15. Matthew chapter 15, verse 21. Now listen to me. I believe when you go to church, you ought to come to church to learn the Bible. Don't you agree? You ought to come to learn the Bible. Now, a lot of churches don't even use a Bible anymore. We believe that you ought to learn the Bible. And it has more power than any of the stories and illustrations that preacher will ever use. This can stick to you. This is like meat and potato stuff. These are things that can help you to understand, to rightly divide the Word of God. So when you go back and on your own, you can read and say, now this is talking about that and this is talking about that. It'll help you tremendously. But if you don't get that, it just looks like you're going to get totally... Wiped out. Remember this. The reason you have bone structure in your body, if you didn't have the bones, you'd be just one big old blob of flesh laying on the floor. You know, without bones, you wouldn't even be able, you couldn't talk, you couldn't walk. You wouldn't move your arms. You need those bones. Otherwise, it's just flesh. Wouldn't that be a terrible way to live? 
Bones is Bible doctrine. Just a basic teaching from which when you go back and study the, nah, this here, that goes there. And you can throw it on that bone. This, and this goes here. And then this goes there. You know where to put and divide the word of God. And it'll help you. Because without it, you can't walk and you can't talk as a believer. Because it's just a big old jumbled mess of pottage. But you learn the word of God and you learn and study doctrine. This is why they said, this man has strange doctrine. No man spake like this man. Because Jesus was authority. And did he know the word? He was the word. He gave the Old Testament. I bet he could quote it all. Betcha, betcha, betcha. So here, chapter 15. And let me see, what's that verse there in chapter 15? Verse 21. In verse 21, Then Jesus went thence and departed into the coast of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast and cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. Now here's a woman that <laughs> they consider Gentiles dogs. When you read the 22nd Psalm, you'll say, And dogs have compassed me round about. Talking about those Romans. But anyway, he answered her not a word. Here she, she says, I got a problem. And Jesus didn't answer her a word. Now, that's not right. I mean, God didn't have time for this poor old woman that's got a problem. You see, you can read all kinds of things in it. But there's a reason why he did what he did. You see in verse 24, But he answered and said, I am not sent but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Jesus said that. I'm sorry. But she didn't give up. She says there, Then came she and, and worshipped him and said, Lord, help me. He answered and says, it is not meat or fit to take the children's bread and cast it to dogs. And he says, truth, Lord, yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from the master's table. Then Jesus answered and said unto her, O woman, great is thy faith. Be it unto thee, even as thou wilt. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. See, individually, God could still do things. But as a nation, he was going to be limiting himself. There's going to become a change because something has to happen, and it does. See, God will do things for somebody who wants something. Have your child ever asked you for something? You said no, and then they asked you again. I said no, and then they asked you again. And because of their persistence, all right, well, that's what they wanted in the first place. You see, they've trained you well. They know by the tone of your voice whether or not did you really mean that or I got three more chances. Look at the next scripture. The next scripture in Matthew chapter 28. Turn in your Bible. You need to see all this. Last chapter in the book of Matthew. Because we're talking about Jesus coming into the world. But this is why he came into the world. And look at verse 18. And Jesus came, verse 18. Jesus came and spake unto them saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach. What's those next two words? Well, wait, wait, wait a minute. Didn't he just say back there in Matthew chapter 10, go to nobody but the house of Israel? Yeah, you read that. So something had to have happened. Now he's not talking about just the nation of Israel. Going to all nations and preach the gospel. Teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. 
teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world or end of the age. So we have something that had to have happened between chapter 10 and chapter 28. Because he says, no, now he says, go. So there has to be something that took place. And I think you um, need to see that, so go to chapter 12. Matthew chapter 12. Right here in the middle of this book, where the king is speaking in parables, which starts in chapter 13, because they got a mixed audience. Those that want to know truth could understand, and those that didn't want to know truth couldn't understand. So here in the book of Matthew, in chapter 12, I want you to look there in uh, verse 15. In verse 15. But when Jesus knew it, he withdrew himself from thence, and great multitudes followed him. And he healed them all, charged them that they should not make him known. The reason is because, you see up there in verse 14, they decided we're going to kill him. We're going to kill this guy. Does that sound like the Pharisees wanted to accept him as their king? See, verse 14, then the Pharisees went out and held a council against him. And uh, so all the Democrats got together. No, I mean, the, the council got together how they can destroy him. That, that slipped right out of there. That's, yeah. So he says in um, verse 17, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, Behold, my servant, whom I have chosen, talking about Christ, my beloved, in whom my soul is well pleased, I will put my spirit upon him. And he shall show judgment to the who? See, as a nation, Israel has rejected their king. God says, I will send him to the Gentiles. That's all of us, Gentiles. We're not Israel. There is an Israel. But the people that were living then, because of their rebellion to God, God says, something's going to happen to you that is irreversible. And it is called the unpardonable sin. It, it was the sin of them rejecting their Messiah as their king. Because what Jesus did, he did it by the power of the Holy Spirit. And they said, you do it by the power of Beelzebub, the prince of devils. And he says, because you have taken your stand, he was taking his. He says, then you are not going to be forgiven in this lifetime. This kingdom is going to be moved out. You're not getting it. You're not going in. But let's just look at this first of all in verse 24. See, verse 21 talks about that also. It's a scripture quoted in the Old Testament. Then was brought unto him one possessed with the devil, blind and dumb. And he healed him insomuch that the blind and the dumb both spake and saw. And all the people were amazed and says, Is not this the son of David? The people. Isn't this? But see, the leadership rejected the Messiah. And he says in verse 24, But when the Pharisees heard it, they said, This fellow doth not cast out devils, but by Beelzebub, the prince of devils. Jesus knew their thoughts and said unto them, Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation. But he goes down here and he says a few things to them. He makes this statement in verse 28, But if I cast out devils by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God is come unto you. The kingdom of God is come to you. You can have this new birth, but you will not. You defy the teaching of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is why I'm doing what I'm doing. And if they don't accept Christ, then they have no salvation. 
And without accepting Jesus as their Messiah, as the King of Israel, they have no kingdom. And that's why he says, he that is not with me is what? In verse 30, is against me. And he that gathereth not with me scattereth abroad. Wherefore I say unto you, all manner of sin and blasphemy shall be forgiven unto men, but the blasphemy against the Holy Ghost shall not be forgiven unto men. Now, if you hear the gospel, the good news on how you can have eternal life, and you refuse to accept it, you also, whenever you die, it's an unforgivable thing. Because he can't save you after you die. But as long as you're alive, you can trust Christ as Savior. Does a person today have to worry about committing the unpardonable sin? No. Because we're not Israel, and that's, not, that's who he was talking to. It was because of that. So after this statement that he makes here, then he turns and you find out the thing begins to change. And then you have the parables and so forth in chapter 13. So the message definitely changed. And that's why now the gospels are going to all the world and preach the gospel to everybody, every individual. See, God wanted the nation of Israel to be the light that reaches the world. But the nation of Israel wouldn't take that responsibility. They rejected the king. So now he's got plan B. But it's also part of the plan. But anyway, I want you to look there in Acts chapter 1. Acts in chapter 1. Jesus Christ has died, come back from the dead, and then he appeared in verse 3. Acts chapter 1 in verse 3, where it says, To whom also he showed himself alive after his passion, after his death, by many infallible proofs, being seen of them forty days. So after the resurrection of Christ, he was able to demonstrate anything he wanted to. Infallible proofs that Jesus had come from the dead and had the power. You see, this is why all of a sudden these disciples who had been so scared were not scared anymore. Because if I die and I know that the man that I serve has the power to raise me from the dead, go ahead. It's when you don't think he will or can might cause you a little worry and concern. But it took away their fear. And they were bold as lions. And that's why it was hard for them to understand these are ignorant fishermen but they were so bold in the Lord. They had the confidence because of these many infallible proofs. They knew who he was. They walked with him for three and a half years. They saw him crucified. And they saw him when he came back from the dead. So the question came out in verse 6. When they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, will thou at this time, this time, restore again the kingdom to what? To Israel. So there was an offer when Jesus came. And he was rejected as the king. And the kingdom was postponed. That's why we know that there is a period of time in the future where there's going to be the kingdom. Now the gospel of the kingdom was preached back here. See, we here, we are not trying to set up a kingdom. We're not trying to get the world ready for Christ to come down here and rule. Because we know that's not going to happen in our lifetime. It's not going to happen during this period of time where we are. So by dispensational teaching, you'll know 
there's another period of time coming yet in the future. We'll get into that more at another time, but I want you to take your Bible and turn to the, um, all that last scripture I have done here, Matthew chapter 24, and, uh, and look at this. Matthew chapter 24. And there's a verse here that um, I think you need to know. First of all, verse 15. Verse 15 is a pivotal verse in this whole 24th chapter. Because in that verse when he says, And when ye shall, therefore shall see the abomination of desolation, spoken of by Daniel the prophet, stand in the holy place. Look up here. That happens here in the tribulation period. It's a prophecy about that seven year period of time. See, there were 70 years, 70 weeks prophesied in the Old Testament. 69 went to the cross and he would be cut off. That left seven years that were never fulfilled back here. So that seven years is ahead of us. And the Bible says that's the worst period of time the world has ever known. And that's right ahead of us. So nobody is going to guarantee peace on this earth. It's going to get worse and worse and worse. So I know that. I know that I'm not trying to build a kingdom here. My main job is to try to get as many people as I can to trust Christ as Savior. That's why I'm always hammering and honing in on the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because, you see, when a man dies, he goes to hell. And I'm not going to be able to save America unless I get America saved. So you want to get people saved. America needs a revival but a spiritual revival. Now look what he says here. So in verse 15, we know that that's in the middle, but notice what happens right before that. He makes this statement here in verse 13. But he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. (gasps) Oh no. Boy, have I had people throw that verse at me over the years. You got to endure to the end, my friend. And this is the end. Well, you understand, that's talking about this period of time. And he's talking about enduring to the end of this period of time. And those people who are alive at this period of time, when he comes back, all the saved will go into the kingdom. So he's talking about those that are still alive in the flesh. A lot of people are going to be killed during that tribulation period. But what is going to be also a message that's going to be preached during that period of time? Glad you asked. Look at the next verse. Look at verse 14. And this gospel of the what? Kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations. Then shall the what? And the end come. That didn't happen back there. If it did happen, it messed us. The end shall come because they ask the question, and when shall the end be? When's your coming and when's the end? When are you coming back? He's coming back in power and great glory to the earth. And the Bible says that those that endure to the end are saved. And look what he says there in verse 21. And then shall be great tribulation such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time, no, nor ever shall be. And except those days should be shortened, there should no, what? Flesh be saved. 
So we're not talking about spiritual salvation as much as we're talking about physical salvation. And then they will get to go into the kingdom. But those people back here that rejected Jesus Christ as Savior, rejected Him as King, they don't get in at all. Y'all understand what I'm saying? Can y'all follow me? I hope y'all can follow all of this. It's not the easiest thing in the world to teach. But I do believe what I'm saying is the truth. See, if, if this isn't true, then you got a whole Bible that's all messed up. But it, when you understand, it's clear as a bell. So what are we looking for now? So take your Bible and turn to the book of Titus in chapter 2. The book of Titus chapter 2. Titus chapter 2. And look there in verse 11. Titus chapter 2, verse 11. And it says, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. When Jesus Christ came into the world, grace and truth. Grace, all men. I be lifted up will draw all men. Christ came to save all men. But he came to be the king of Israel. And there are certain things he required of Israel he does not require of us. We don't have a temple and we don't have any sacrifices to make. Back in the law, yes, they did. We don't. So God told Noah to go build an ark. He didn't tell me to build one. He told Moses to go down into Egypt and tell Pharaoh, let my people go. But he didn't tell me to do it. And the last time I was down there, I don't think Jewish people like living down there too much. So anyway, he makes a statement here. Salvation is by grace and grace alone. Because he says, the grace of God that brings what? It's not the works of man. Salvation is by the grace of God. No man can earn eternal life. No man can work his way to heaven. It's always by grace and grace alone. What it means is, Jesus Christ, he loved you so much, he'd rather die than live without you. It means that he died on that cross and paid for your sins before you were ever born. He did it in preparation, and then you were born. He didn't ask you if he could do it for you. He went ahead and did it for you before he ever created you. And now here you are. And he's already got something prepared for you. Just like he prepared the provision for the bird that flies in the air. What if there's no air? But he got wings to fly, but there's no air. Plop. But he also provided for that bird by providing the worms for it to eat. But he doesn't throw the worms in the nest. He provided that bird with the ability to find the worm. And God has provided our needs before we were ever born. But you have to use your eyes and your body and your skills to find that way of making a living. And some people work and they make a living. Some people don't want to work and they don't make a living. God doesn't love me. Well, Jesus Christ died on that cross and provided salvation for everybody. And he came back from the dead and says, the only thing you have to do, because it's the only thing you can do, and that is, will you trust Christ as your Savior? Will you depend upon him to take you to heaven whenever you die? So God says this now in verse 12. Teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. Now, I want you to understand there's three main things I want you to see out of these three little verses. 
I have been saved, verse 11, I've, I've already been saved. God provided the grace, and I believe that, so I'm saved. So I've been saved from the penalty of sin. I don't have to go to hell. Why? He paid for all my sins. But now in this present life, look what he says there in verse 12. This present world. God wants to save me from a lot of the things that are in this world. And he does that by the Holy Spirit that lives within me. And so he wants to teach me the word of God so how I can avoid the pitfalls in this life. How I can be strong enough not to let the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life destroy my testimony. So that I can keep serving the Lord faithfully year after year after year. In other words, he's already provided all that I need. He's given me a Bible. He's given me the Holy Spirit. Given me life and air to breathe. Now, I can put it together. Or I could just let him down. But you see, whenever you fail the Lord here, as a child of God, it's going to cost you rewards when you get to heaven and you can't get them back. What you've earned, you can never lose. What you could have had, you'll never get. It's like they could have had the kingdom back there, but they rejected it and they'll never get it again. Now, look what he says in verse 13. While we're walking in this present life, trusting the Lord to give us the power that we need to save us from the lust of the flesh, there's something you should be looking forward to. And if he is coming and you believe he is coming, then why don't we get our act together and live like it? They wouldn't. And you can find all the fault with them, how blind they were. Is anybody like that today? No, they have eternal life. No, they're going to heaven when they die and are wasting their life, spinning their wheels. So he says here, looking for that blessed hope, not blessed tribulation. Blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Because we believe Jesus Christ is coming back for us. This is called the rapture. He comes in the air and we're caught up in air and meet him in the air. Here he comes for his saints. Here he comes with his saints and he comes to the earth. So the rapture takes place before this period of time. Because this period of time doesn't belong to us. It belongs to that 69th week back there that God promised in the book of Daniel in chapter 9, verse 27. Look up here. All the hard work, Jesus took care of that. And he made it easy for you and me. This hand represents you and me. And this wallet represents sin. We all have sin upon us. God says that he loves us. Now, he hates our sin, but he loves us. And because we've all sinned, we're all condemned into a literal fire burning hell. But God wants us to go to heaven, and to go to heaven, you've got to be perfect as righteous as God, and none of us are perfect, none of us are righteous. We've all come short of God's perfection. So God says you cannot save yourself. This hand represents Jesus Christ. He's the Lord God in the flesh. Came into the world because he loves us, hates our sin, because our sin separates us from him. So Jesus Christ, who had no sin, didn't have to die. So to show us how much he loves us, he took all of our sins, paid for it on the cross, came back from the dead, said the only thing he wanted me to do, or you, is to believe that he did it for us. I believe he did it for me. Therefore, he puts that payment to my account. The reason I can't go to hell today is that I don't have any sins to pay for. Why? Christ died for my sin. Did he pay for yours? He paid for yours too? 
And see, I don't have any sins to pay for in the future because you know what? He paid for those also. The reason I can't go to hell ever is because I don't have any sins to pay for. Christ died for my sins. That's the most powerful message in all the world. And people are trying to figure this whole thing out because God can't mend it. It can't be that easy. That's that easy believers and stuff. Go in all the world and preach the gospel to all the world, even the little children. How are you going to preach something hard and complicated to a child unless you can make it easy? It is easy. Is that God loves you, paid for your sins, and you believe He did it for you? I can handle that. Have you ever heard preachers tell you that you must turn from sins to be saved and go to heaven? Does that mean you must turn from only the big sins or all sins before God will save you? Pastor Yankee Arnold has prepared just the right book with answers straight from the Bible. The book is called Gospel Driven Man, and Pastor Yankee wants to send it to you free of charge. Simply write to Pastor Yankee at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634, and request the book, or request by email at yankee at yankeearnold.com. That's yankee at yankeearnold.com. Thanks for listening to today's broadcast. We pray that today's message was a blessing to you and your family. You may help support this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Friend, one day it will happen. The trumpet will sound, and we will be changed, caught up to meet the Lord in the air. So live today and every day, believing that the Lord is coming soon, and just keep looking up. Amazing grace amazes me.